Sounds good. How long did it take us to do this? 26 minutes. Ugh. All right, so am I reading anything here? Yep. What am I reading here? Uh, inter- uh, go to, go down podcast. to number 176. Yeah, it's on 70. What do you mean 176? Go, go yeah. to the bottom of 175, and you'll see 176 on the bottom of 175. Where's my, where's my page count? I see one and two. On the script. Oh. Everybody needs it's another on page joke. page eight. Another joke? Yep. I guess I, I could I use the one jo- you I provided. I didn't have a joke the first time. <laughs> so this is a whole other episode now. Yep. All right. Five, four, three, two, and one. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Oh, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Live from the 1901 Buffalo World's Fair Watch out President McKinley this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 176. I'm Cash. Isn't the Grand Canyon just gorgeous? Uh. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that. This is Scott. Is it my imagination or do buffalo wings taste like chicken? Uh. Ouch. Hey, do you have like a, a, a computerized sigh you can just put in? Uh, a groan. <laughs> for everyone. We usually use crickets. <laughs> And this is Mark, and I'm sad to report that the days of using proper English are went. Uh, this is Greg, the comic guy, and I decided to do something a little different. I'll make a recommendation to what comic you need to run out and go buy right now, because there's a big one. Uh, Batman and Catwoman are getting married. Yeah, they've already RSAP'd, and the first... Prelude to that wedding came out today. It's Batman Prelude to the Wedding. Robin vs. Raz Al Ghul, number one. Came out today. Run to your stores and get it. Everybody's going to want one. What do their babies look like? You know, Selena Kyle's just knocking, so (laughs) who cares? (laughs) Chris, we need a flying cat. (laughs) But see, Wednesdays are the new release of comics, so I can literally give you an editorial pick every Wednesday. That's the one to get, by the way. Bat cat. Bat cat baby. <laughs> oh, he's... Have you ever seen Catwoman? Holy love of God, the way they draw her. I've seen the cat. Uh, Hang on, Rick. I know a couple cat women. I, I saw one over on uh, the corner. <laughs> uh, this is Tom. You know you're from Buffalo when you not only know what a bathtub Madonna is, but you can also correctly pronounce 
the Scott Guiquade Expressway, which he's shaking, which Rick is saying, shaking his head, so I don't think I pronounced it correctly. Skajakwada. Skajakwada. There you go. He didn't. Uh, he Cash spelled it phonetically for me incorrectly. Skajakwada. <laughs> That's like something you do to somebody you don't like. So today we are speaking about Cinderella stamps because we got an answer on our Facebook question. What is the technical name for a Cinderella stamp used on cover? We received many answers, including a pumpkin and a felony. <laughs> but the best answer we got is from David E., who, by the way, is a volunteer at the APS. Thank you for your volunteerism. And his answer was, when on cover, it is, finger quotes, franking not recognized. So we're going with FNRs, which sounds like it could be a bad word. So <laughs> so to discuss FNRs and, then an, and also as an homage to all of our Buffalo lists, all the... Wow, You sorry. should say FNRs. FNRs. <laughs> FNRs. FNRs. Yeah, FNRs. So to discuss FNRs and also as an homage to all our Buffalo listeners, we have Rick Barrett. Rick began collecting stamps in 1968 at the age of 10. Quick math. Happy birthday. Thank you. He then worked in a local stamp store as a teenager. He became a longtime memorabilia dealer, eBay seller, and APS member with some very interesting stories. So, hi, Rick. How are you? I'm great. How's it going? Excellent. Good. <laughs> so, you are a published author who wrote about uh, the Buffalo's World Fair. What? Uh, what's your book? Well, the book is called Buffalo Cinderella's, and it, is a, it contains the fascinating life stories of two men who distributed souvenir stamps for the 1901 Pan American Exposition, which was a big deal in our Western New York heritage, and we learned all about that in grade school. And uh, so I caught the bug as a youngster when I got that stamp album and then later on worked in the stamp store. Uh, I actually was given a dollar an hour or $2 an hour if I took out my pay in stamps. <laughs> and one of the things that I loved to do, we would get collections in, and usually behind the airmails or the revenues were some Cinderella's or other stickers or labels. And uh, so they usually wound up in the penny bins. And I would find those, and there was a series of 100 different uh, for the Pan American Exposition. That's 100 different out of 202 that I later found out existed. For one and so there, 202? 202 yeah. different varieties. Damn. And uh, uh, the set of 100 is actually five different colors of 20 different images. They're called the building stamps, and uh, there's actually 19 structures plus one of Niagara Falls. But these were in penny bins, and so I just started stashing them. I love the colors, I love the pictures on them, and uh, so I accumulated a lot of them. After a while, when I left the uh, stamp store as a teen and, and went to university, I, I later on opened a, uh, I had learned the buy, sell, and trade uh, aspect of things and I opened a record store where I live now in Houston and that was in the early 80s. I got into the music memorabilia business pretty heavily and, and still am but I still collected stamps. I joined the APS in 1982, collected all sorts of things and really uh, enjoyed furthering my interest in those Pan American Exposition Cinderella's. Cool. I think my first question is how long was the World's Fair in Buffalo in 1901? Because I know 
today they don't run very long when they do stuff like that. But back then, because you had it took so long to travel there, these shows would run months or sometimes years. How sure. Long, how the, long was it? The fair opened in uh, on May second, nineteen oh one, and went until November second of oh one. So May to November, and actually Buffalo was hopping at the time. It was the eighth largest city in the country, and one of the real reasons that they were chosen is it was a mecca for train transportation. There were 250 trains that arrived in Buffalo every single day. And if you drew a circle around Buffalo, there was 40% of the United States population that could arrive in this city within a one day's train ride. Uh, Commerce was huge. There were over a dozen newspapers. What was happening was there was a big uh, overflow of a migration from New York City and they would move further west and a lot of Buffalo got that action and that action stayed until the Erie Canal and the St. Lawrence Seaway really moved everything through the Great Great Lakes into uh, the Chicago area and more Midwestern distribution but that's why Buffalo was such a big deal the other big deal about it and why it was chosen for the expo was because of its proximity to Niagara Falls Niagara Falls, once they learned to harness the power of that in the 1890s, they powered the city. And a lot of other cities had electricity, but none to the degree that Buffalo did. The expo itself had almost a quarter million light bulbs uh, across the grounds of the expo itself. And people had never seen that, that attended this. And they were just mesmerized and blown away. My favorite quote about that was it, actually every night at around 7.30 or 8, these guys in these would turn these big rheostats and all as the sun went down, all these lights would come up. First a pinkish color, then into a, a vibrant uh, white light. And uh, my favorite quote around that was a lady who said, it looked like God came down and, and got God's hand touched our city. It was unbelievable for people to see this for the first time. This was one of the first events where they had electric lights, is that correct? Yes, there was some in other cities, but on a, on a big scale, this was really the first one. Yeah, yes. it may, something to do with Tesla or Edison. It, there was a big contract for this. I remember seeing something about it. Really? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Should I go on? No, oh, please. Absolutely. Sure. No, we're uh, okay. enthralled. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're all enthralled. That's <laughs> why we're not listening. talking. We're just listening. You're, you're painting Great. a pretty picture. Well, the way that I can uh, morph into how the book came about was I collected these Cinderella's and I stashed hundreds and hundreds. And so about uh, uh, 2002 or so, I took them all out. I sorted them and I said, you know, there are all sorts of catalogs, guides, uh, etc. for any type of stamps as you know you can find information on you know greek airmails or italian revenues or things like that but these were not documented in any way even christmas seals are in the scots catalog but these are not and had not they had been uh kind of looked at and cataloged in a in a somewhat small fashion in 1914 Kazan and rojas were two french uh collectors who had a stamp catalog and they documented some of them and so I wanted to, my whole idea was to create a numbering system for these and just, uh, you know, number one through whatever so that I could have a handle on what was available and what was out there and also so that other collectors could enjoy them too. And so I was really glad that I had uh, accumulated so many and I thought that I would have about a 15-page pamphlet with pictures and, and a numbering system. Well, 
then I, I, like all great ideas, I put it on the shelf for 10 years. And in 2012, I took it down and I said, I want to get serious with this. And I sorted them again. And uh, then I also looked at who was behind these stamps. And as it turned out, one was a good guy and one was not. And so that's kind of Painting in my a perfect book. story, right? Yeah, <laughs> hold on. There you go. Yeah, let me let me ask you about that because I read the book and it is very well done. Um, it's also totally not what I expected. I expected some treatise on the labels and you know you point out the varieties and you say this one has a three-legged buffalo and whatever. <laughs> it isn't that. It, no, this it, is this is actually a book that you read. And it entertains yeah. you. It tells a story. So my number one question, what is a stamp drummer? Now, the book does answer that. but Oh, is a spoiler alert? A spoiler alert. No. Spoiler alert. No, yeah. go ahead. What, what's a stamp it is drummer? There, though. Well, in the 1890s, maybe even earlier, the term drummer referred to someone who traveled around selling their wares. And so the huckster in my book actually used that moniker, and they decided to market themselves as the stamp drummer. And that's what he became known through his advertisements uh, that would be in uh, stamp journals of the 1890s and also on uh, promotional postcards that he sent out. Is he that, was the stamp uh, drummer. Is that term a bit derogatory? Uh, no, actually, no. At well, the time, it certainly wasn't. It yeah. was, it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, an explanatory term. Okay. You were out there drumming up business. Yeah, yeah, that's yes, probably what it yeah. stands for. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk about Mister. Uh, you're talking about Mister. Hale first, I guess. That's right, William B. Hale, yeah. and uh, he was the huckster. And you know, uh, you mentioned about storytelling. I love to tell stories, and and I I loved reading about him, and and it was a, a process of going through just thousands and thousands of old stamp journals that I checked out from the APRL and other <laughs> philatelic libraries. The, the Western Philatelic Library was terrific as well, and um, among others, the Collectors Club of New York. And uh, I would go through page by page looking for anything I could find on, on uh, either of these fellas, and Mr. Hale's life just jumped off the pages. And when I would find something, I would tag it, I would Xerox those pages before returning the books and then I would file them away chronologically into my folders and that's how I created the timeline for each of these men's lives and as I began to then take those files out and re record their lives it was unbelievable what transpired for this guy he was an educated person of means of sorts his dad was the postmaster in the small uh, Massachusetts town that he was born in he was born he lived there and he died there he's buried there uh, his dad was an agent for uh, I believe American Express or a, a Western Union type uh, monetary exchange and so he, he was not a, a, a dumb guy he knew what he was doing he decided to leave small town Massachusetts for his adventures and he wound up becoming a world traveler uh his ads were very interesting in the way that he would do two things one he almost always reflected on forgeries or counterfeits which would later become an area that he was involved in and he was known for in a nefarious way um, but he also was was uh, quite an extremist. He was the, the guy that, uh, you know, used uh, sensationalism in his ads there and a way that uh, draw attention to him. So uh, what I found interesting was you said there's only two known photographs and you kind of show both of them in the book. And I was amazed at how uh, 
how much the photograph agreed with my mental picture of the guy, <laughs> what he would look like when, yeah. after you had, after I had read the description of him. Yeah, uh, I understand. Uh, it was really fun to find that picture and um, uh, be able to share it with others because you can almost see in his own uh, personality there uh, that he took liberties in ways that compromised his integrity. And, uh, yeah, I could, <laughs> I, I could see him being a, a, a quite a, a charlatan in many ways. Was he, he the, was, was he the one that went to jail or was the other one? No, he's the one that he, went to jail. He, okay. He, yeah. He, what he did, first of all, his, his worldly travels really, uh, he, he marketed himself so amazingly. He wound up saying that he could put together every single U S stamp ever issued to that point in the 1890s, which was a huge feat then. And he was just bragging about it, that he could do it at any time. Well, he couldn't do it with, with uh, legitimate stamps. He could do it with forgeries that he created. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, he also became not just a traveler in North America, but then he went over to Europe several times, one time for almost 18 months. In fact, he was there until through almost the entire Pan-American Exposition. But when he was doing these these travels, he would burn bridges. He could be a good guy when he met you and do some business, but you better not see him again because uh, you'd probably have found out that what you bought wasn't any good. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, I like how he got good reviews from people. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously it was before they figured out what they had bought. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And he wrote fascinating, absolutely fascinating travel logs. You know, today yeah. we would consider the, uh, you know, the Internet uh, travel blogs. He would be right there with them because he, I think that's also why people were endeared to him. You know, there's a lot of people that received stamp journals in the 1890s. There were hundreds of them published at the time because there was no uh, Internet, no TV, no radio. And entertainment came through really uh, magazines and the printed word. And so he got a lot of attention by writing really well-worded, yeah. uh, sensational travel logs. If, if you're a good storyteller... Uh, especially in an era where the printed word is, or, or the spoken word is really the the only available medium, uh, I can see how that would make you uh, the star of the show. Absolutely. And his downfall came uh, after the exposition, and I don't really know whether that was a, a philatelic mark, marker for his career, because he did do some other um, stamp dealing through the early 1900s. But in 1906, uh, he was basically called to the carpet by one of the bigger uh, U.S. stamp dealers, uh, J.M. Bartles in Boston, who had been contacted by people in Germany saying, hey, we have some fake stamps that we bought from Mr. Hale. What can you do? And so his reputation was then public, and it was he was basically ruined then. He, I never found any legitimate advertisements or mentions of him after 1906 in stamp collecting papers. But he, he did immediately turned to the postcard industry, became a postcard distributor from anywhere from 1906 to about the mid-teens, and then he started going downhill legally, and uh, he got into some nasty things that got him arrested in the late 20s. So Why tell don't us you about, tell people what those are? Tell us about the other guy. No, no you got no, 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 no. to leave something for people to yeah. read the book. Oh, good, good point. I, I good still point. want to ask a question. You, uh, you said you bought, when you were a teenager in the stamp store, you were buying these for a penny a piece. What was your initial uh, investment? A couple bucks? Because <laughs> oh. it was like 200 stamps, right? 
Right. Well, now, I must say that I never found any of William B. Hale stamps as a kid. Those stamps were very hard. And even now, today, uh, I document 202 different stamps that were associated with either of these gentlemen. And I I say uh, either because they were distributed by him, by them, or had their name on it. Many, 80... Two of the 86 William B. Hale associated stamps have his name along the bottom of them. So, but I never found any of those as a youngster. And uh, what happened was uh, that those were printed in 1900 by a printer in Paris. And the story goes, I've not confirmed it, but I've seen this in several publications that Hale didn't pay the bill for the printing. No. So, <laughs> oh, this guy's and, a hell of a guy. He was, and so what happened is this printer's sitting with stacks of, of stamps with William B. Hale's name on it, and uh, he wound up wholesaling them to, as far as I can tell, France, Belgium, England, and India. And I've gotten dealer quantities from India and England, and that's the only places I've found them worth a darn. Now, that's the 82 of the 86. The other story goes that the other four, somebody in the States copied them, they took his name off, and you do see those other four quite frequently, and uh, they're they're the most common and least expensive. But in the whole scheme of things, out of those, those uh, the 202 total, uh, I've only put together two sets in my life in 50 years. Oh, that's cool. Two complete sets. So you've yeah. alluded to the second person. Why don't we go ahead and introduce them to everybody? Okay, before I do, I'm going to say one last thing about the exciting William B. Hale. <laughs> oh, his, his life story reads like reality TV would show today. He's He met the Pope. He's been you know, <laughs> on a train that was held up by bandits. He's been all over the world. And the, the closing thing I want to say about him is the second time that he was arrested... For the same thing, by the way, the postal inspector that arrested him, who had uh, encountered tons of different crooks over 40 years of working for the post office department, he said that William B. Hale was the biggest and most brazen crook that I ever encountered. And that's what I wanted to share in compiling his life story and passing it on to others. It's fascinating. It's almost like uh, the Abingdale guy that did the forging of the checks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why I love this book is, you know, it, stamps are cool. Uh, I wouldn't but collect them the otherwise. Stories. But it's the backstory on them that's just incredible. Yeah, it was a lot of fun um, uh, finding that and putting it together. You know, you mentioned the two pictures that I found. This took me six years. It was never work. It was always a labor of love. As I say, I thought that I was going to put together a 15-page pamphlet, but I just loved finding these things on these guys. And it was like, you know, Christmas every other month when something new would would be found. And it, it was great. So uh, as far as the other fellow, the gentleman, his name is Rainer Hubble. And he actually had two philatelic careers. He was uh, uh, in his mid-20s in the 1890s when he wound up selling stamps by mail from his home in Buffalo. He lived in an apartment in Buffalo with his family. And uh, then he opened the first retail outlet for stamp dealing that was ever uh, that anyone did in Buffalo. He's the first stamp seller in retail in Buffalo. And so the newspapers that were quite prevalent whenever there was a post office issue or a stamp collecting story to be had, they would refer to Mr. Hubble. Now, everything that I've ever uncovered on this guy proved that he was a friendly person. He was a gentleman. He was very talented, a great guy, man of integrity. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead real quick to after the Pan Am, 
uh, ended in 1901. He stayed in Buffalo another eight or nine years or so, and uh, then he went into corporate America, and he wound up then, when he retired in the late 40s, he had a second philatelic career, and he was somewhat well-known, but uh, I'm actually surprised that he's not more well-known. He became the number one specialist for Confederate stamp collecting, and he promoted Confederate stamp collecting in the late 40s and early 50s before anyone even thought about the upcoming 100-year anniversary, which would occur in 1961. This person, I mean, today, we know that stamps, uh, Confederate stamps on cover, they're quite expensive, and hundreds of dollars to thousands of dollars. Well, one of his ads in the mid-50s was a 10-page ad with over 700 different covers of that. And so you can imagine the accumulation that this fellow had. That details what a heck of a marketer he was. And to then backtrack back to his earlier stamp career in Buffalo, this guy, when he promoted the Pan American Exposition Cinderella stamps, they were promoted to businesses and he promoted them through newspaper ads and to the public. He tried to get all businesses to include these on all outgoing mail so that if you were a company receiving mail from a company, you know, you get a stack of mail with orders or inquiries every day. If they had a Cinderella stamp on it, he felt they, that meant your mail would stand out to the recipient. And this guy was prolific. By the time the Pan American Exposition was over, Mr. Rayner Hubble had sold over four and a half million of these Cinderella stamps. That's astounding. This guy was 20, in his late 20s, and to be able to sell that in that era without internet and all things like that is just amazing. So, uh, he was a sharp fella. Yeah, well, I've, I definitely have enjoyed reading the book. It was great. Why don't, <laughs> Thank you so much. Why don't you tell people how they can acquire this book? It, it really is a fantastic book. I mean, the cover's great. The content is great. Everyone should check it out. Well, I, I got to say that I had lots of help. It wasn't done just by me. So many people, which I, I hope I thank in the in the beginning, were there. Uh, the book's quality is is uh, there because of the printer I used that was recommended by Peter Martin. I'm so grateful for all the help that I got along the way. And it can be found at buffalocinderellas.com. There's a website for it right now, spelled as it uh, sounds, the city of Buffalo, B-U-F-F-A-L-O, and then Cinderella's with an S on it, dot com. I also have a Facebook page of the same name. If you're on Facebook and you do a search for Buffalo Cinderella's, two words, um, you'll find it. And that actually describes a lot of the adventures that I had for the last couple of years of my six-year odyssey <laughs> doing this. When I present to stamp clubs, when I've talked about it, I love to talk about the adventure that I had. It's really fun and, and just superb to have a, a book out and, and that I enjoy, and I certainly hope others enjoy. At the same time, the experience of doing it was something I never imagined. I met so many great people in the philatelic world that I, I didn't know about, and you know, I enjoyed the APS magazine every month, but I got to use so many more resources. So I always try and close those talks by saying, if there's a part of the hobby that you enjoy and you like, why don't you go and use the resources available to you, write an article for your club newsletter, submit an article to one of the stamp magazines, and they'd love to have it. And they'll edit it and all that stuff and make it printable for you. And uh, you will enjoy the process and, and everything along the way, just as I have. Um, I want to say about the website, in about a month, it'll have around... 
uh, a thousand different Cinderella stamp offerings available. We're still working on that. There's going to be hundreds of stamp offerings, including about 150 of the different Pan American Exposition Cinderellas available, plus some covers, plus some uh, Pan American Exposition memorabilia and, and ephemera. So you're getting heavy duty into FNRs. FNRs? Yeah. <laughs> Did we explain that to him? Did he hear? Ed- Educate me. <laughs> the franking not recognized. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, one of the things about collecting Cinderella's on cover that you want to consider is buying covers that are tied, that have Cinderella's that are tied to them, meaning the cancellation or some other postal marking is on the Cinderella itself. So that you know that the Cinderella stamp itself wasn't put on after it went through the mail system. It couldn't, wasn't put on last week. So uh, I always love adding to my collection ones that are tied. FNRs. 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 Well, thank you very much. Uh, fantastic book. I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, any last words? Otherwise, uh, have a very good day. Uh, Well, the last words I want to do is thank you guys. During the writing of this book and all the research, I can't tell you how many zillion times I Googled Rainer Hubble in various ways or William B. Hale, but I would have the podcast playing in the background. And I got introduced (laughs) that, and I loved listening to you guys. And I miss Dawn as well, so say hi to her too. Well, thanks so much. And uh, you go claim that uh, Amazon listing, and we'll we'll get you a book review up. Great. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time, guys. Thanks a lot for joining us, Rick. Rick. Okay, thank you. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Return <laughs> <laughs> to send up. Return to send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.